This is a rock solid episode today. I've got John Franklin from Kilo and Two Brain Business on the podcast. I was on his show, Jim Worldwide, a little while back talking to Jim Real Estate Company. So I had John on mine and we're, you know, we're talking shop on everything from the marketing and Kilo. I mean, we, we get into my history of riffing back, you know, with uh, Two Brain Business and uh, maybe the uh, the reputation I've created for myself within that cohort of the uh, the micro gym industry. And anyway, John's like really he's just a good dude. We have mutual colleagues, and I've in the two podcasts that we've done together, and then some slight conversations offline. Really grown to respect and like this guy. Um, not that I didn't before, but I just, I just didn't know him. And he's incredibly intelligent. I'm excited to watch the content that he's putting out there. His podcast is incredible. Jim Worldwide, go check that out. He's got a great newsletter that goes out. His software Kilo looks pretty exciting too. So anyway, this is just two dudes uh, getting to know each other, talking shop on the podcast. I hope you really enjoy it. What is up, guys? It is Stu. And this is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I've got John fucking Franklin on the the podcast. John, um, I'm going to let him do his thing, but John and I were introduced a mutual friend, uh, Mark Fisher. And I've known of John. I've known of the work. I've heard of, obviously, with Kilo and what you do with Two Brain. Um, I came on your show, uh, Jim Worldwide. And I, you know, so we got to jam there intimately and wanted to have you on mine to you know, get to know you better. And you, you know, you got some interesting things going on by the time this drops. We just talking some industry stats that Coop and the two brain crew do every year. We'll talk about that. And then I'd love to just even get into how you managed to go from, you know, Hoboken, uh, New Jersey fitness to partnering up with two brain and then kilo and, and the shit that you're doing now and content creation and all that fun stuff. So Johnny, thanks for coming on the, uh, the show. Long time listener, first time caller, you know, happy to be here. <laughs> well, dude, listen, so I, you know, uh, if no one, you've got a good little, like, uh, a, you know, your, um, your personal brand blog, I am John Franklin.com. Everyone go there and kind of get the quick wrap up story as to kind of your fit, your role in the fitness and all that. But just real quickly, how do you go from like the gym, like from gym owner world and then getting involved with two brain and then starting kilo? Where did that, like, how, where was the transition point there? Wild journey. Bad life choices probably is uh, the true answer. But uh, I started as a CrossFit gym owner in 2012, which turned out to just be a phenomenal time to open a CrossFit gym. Like I had no special skill sets, had no idea what I was doing and still managed to uh, open a gym with 120 members. And then we were at 200 three months after opening and I opened a second gym. Now and opened the door with over 200. This was in the New York City area. So, um, you know, it was just an amazing time. And, and I was incredibly lucky to ride that CrossFit wave. Um, when I joined Two Brain as a client, it was in around late 2015. And it was after I had been defrauded by another New York City affiliate owner. He had approached me about uh, opening a bunch of gyms in the city and had this big grand plan and was kind of like this fast talking dude who at the time I looked up to as like a mentor. Um, and he just ended up being, a are you able to name drop who it was? Uh, guy's name was Josh Newman. A, Josh went Newman. to jail for a little while. He was a, he was one of the owners or he said he was one of the owners of NYC CrossFit NYC. And he was for a while. 
Um, but then he like, uh, <laughs> he committed some fraud over there as well. Guy ended up going to jail. So, uh, he, he ended up going to jail convicted of fraud, uh, largely because of some of the work God we damn. did. Uh, but it was a wild and horrible time in my business journey. Um, I had hired a bunch of people expecting to expand and, and open up these new facilities and then had to go back when we found out it was all kind of like a hot bag of air, um, you know thrown up at night, fire, firing friends, like every possible awful thing you have to do ever in business. I had to do during this time, like, like hospitalized for stomach ulcers. It was, it was wild. So, um, you know, despite being successful before that, that was an incredible rough patch. And, um, I was just seeking guidance. And so that's how I found two brain at that time, Chris was not doing any type of ads at all. Like he was, uh, Chris is, uh, outside of his blog yeah so for you guys that don't know two brains run by a guy named chris cooper out of sault st marie and uh he basically grew two brain by writing blog posts in his basement um sault st marie is pretty small town and uh he was able to grow and sustain a pretty decent sized member base doing nothing but organic marketing and same thing two brain was running no ads for itself at the time it was all organic based chris's first blog was actually called don't buy ads um and this was a time where if you mentioned marketing in the CrossFit affiliate form, like you literally got laughed at or were called a poser, or like it was just, um, you know, it wasn't cool. But um, around 2015, that was literally like, we've talked about this before. That was literally like the top tick inflection point of the CrossFit trend. And from that point, it was just kind of steady down, right? And so people um, started to struggle a little bit. It was, it was a situation where like when I opened, I was like the only CrossFit gym in this part of Manhattan. So if I open the door, 200 people just show up and give you money. Um, but now there's two, three, four choices in that area. So it became a little more difficult. And there was a company around that time uh, called New You. Did you ever, did you ever run a New oh, You yeah. challenge? Absolutely. Well, I never ran one. Very familiar with it. Before yeah, that, so it, what, there was there was a there was the couch the CrossFit that popped up slightly before that I remember, and then knew you. Uh, what year was this? Uh, would have been twenty sixteen now. Okay, so and this is on the would you say this is on the the coattails of the Hermosi six week like the popularity of that? No, they were way later. I think okay. Hermosi kind of came into the CrossFit realm eighteen nineteen, so we're like three years pre gym launch. That's so I've got, I mean, I did my podcast with Hermosi in 2017 and he had been on my radar for about two years prior to that in with micro. And again, I also, I, my circle was, well, you got a bigger brain than me. So that's, a, that I, is the I, I doubt that, but, um, okay. So new you, new year, new you was the, was the, this thing, right? So 17, maybe he was doing the ones where like you, you physically went to the gym or was that, you know, maybe that was it, but he, I, I'm pretty sure he wasn't doing the, like, uh, done for you system at that time okay and so um at least in my corner of the world knew you was like the the it thing right and so they'd run a six-week challenge and this was a time where you could get a facebook lead in some markets for like 50 cents like insane um and they would basically uh they would do everything up to like the point of sale and so you'd start the you'd say hey six-week challenge they, they'd sell like up to a hundred. Like we talked to a Swedish gym owner for gym world the other day, they sold 150 in their first round of new you and literally broke their gym. Cause it was like a 2000 square foot space thing. Right. Like, um, and then I, 
I remember like you, you gave new you like they took the six, they took the payment, right? They took the first payment. And then if you sold the member, they would stay, right? Was that how it worked? But yeah, that's how, I mean, like, I remember um, who else came out with that? Like, there's a couple groups that did, uh, um, that did stuff like that. Yeah. They would take the first whatever and they stuck around. And you got the residual thereafter. Yeah. And, and I mean, it worked like, I, I'm pretty sure at the height, those guys were doing like 10 million in revenue. Like they ended up <clears throat> building like call centers in Vegas to like handle the nurture process as the lead cost went up. But yeah, at that moment in time, Facebook ads just like worked. Um, we didn't have like we had saw this through two brain, just like it breaking gyms. And we grew the two gyms we had uh, using Facebook ads. Like just you, can I ask something on that? Do you believe those acquisition systems broke gyms or like, for example, if somebody tries to deadlift 500 pounds and they, and they snap their fucking spine, was the weight too heavy or was the person that strong enough? I don't know. Like during that time, like uh, the amount of members you had in your gym was directly correlated to the size of your penis. So there wasn't um, like, it wasn't how much profit do you make? Like it was always like, yeah, if we're doing the, bench. like if yeah. I meet you, Stu at a conference and we're sniffing butts, it's like, yeah. how many members you got Stu? Yep. And if you say 500 it's like, Oh, that guy is um, ironically, all the guys who were like, I have a 500 person, like they're all out of business now. Um, but um, yeah, you know, like member count was it. That was the KPI for the entire industry of CrossFit at the time. Yeah. So if you had a, if someone said, Hey, I'm going to get you 150 members are just going to show up at your gym. Like most people didn't have the four, like the forethought to think like, what does that actually mean? If I have a 2000 square foot gym and I'm only used to training 70, if 150 people show up here expecting to be trained, like, is that going to lead to a bad experience at all? Like, will my members get pissed off at that? Like nobody and, did that thinking, or maybe they just didn't believe uh, knew you or whoever their challenge provider was at the time. And the, but the craziest thing to me, cause I came from that health club, global gym, Simone. if we got, if my, if the, any of the gyms I worked for got 150 leads in a month, they were fired. That was, that's not good for a health club to get 150 fucking leads. Well, this you wasn't need, leads. This was like new bodies in the door. Correct. Which I'm, that's right. Now getting 150 still on, on the, uh, you know, on the membership side would be okay for a health club, right? A 20, 30, 40, 50,000 square foot gig. It was just like when everyone came out and they started yelling at new you and whatever. And I, I didn't like the gimmicky stuff, but I didn't like bait and switching on gym owners. I don't like promising one thing and delivering another. But a lot of times I told these guys, I'm like, you literally went to go fucking, you know, get a blowtorch for something that you could have done with a fucking matchbook. Like you didn't need, like for a gym owner to think that they had the infrastructure to take on 150 or whatever the number is, and they go out of business. I feel that's a hundred percent deserved upon the operator of the business, not the marketing agency. I mean, the marketing, they did a great fucking job. They did exactly what they said they were going to do. We're, we're going to get you a bunch of new members and they did it. So um, like knew you worked yeah, and, and they did exactly what they said. And to be clear, they were doing a paid six week challenge. They were not doing a bait and switch free one. Um, and like, I'd never heard the blowtorch versus matchbook analogy, but that's perfect, right? That was exactly how we thought of it. It's like, we were lucky enough to see other people doing this within two brain. And we're like, if we get 50 new members, like our shit's going to break, right? Because my one gym was 1200 usable square feet. My other one was 2400. And we were, you know, around 200 members a pop in each one. 
So like, and peak class times, like uh, Hoboken's a commuter town. So, you know, your five, your six are slammed and then your 6 p.m., 7 p.m. are absolutely slammed. And so, so we just knew that was wrong. So we did our own version of it. Um, and yeah, we just controlled a lot more of the variables and kept it at like a constant drip. So rather than just like a set start date, we figured out a way to make it a rolling challenge. And at the time we had like a two week on-ramp program. So the challenge consisted of like an on-ramp program followed by just like a month of membership. So is this like uh, two brains version of it? Like the dialed down version of well, new you at this point? Two brains version is, is our version. That's how we yeah. ended up becoming two brains. So we, we developed this system that worked for us, right? It allowed us to operate a bootstrap gym in New York city, uh, blocks between, you know, at the every time, other gym that's at, every, everyone, you know, and, and we survived that gym's still open today. We call that gym, the cockroach. Like it was under a hot pot restaurant, like oil leaked down on the floor mats. Uh, it's in one of the smelliest, most disgusting parts of the Island of Manhattan. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just worked. And so, um, yeah, and I, I was sharing what I was doing in the two brain group. I was telling Coop like, Hey, you're wrong. Like ads are important. Um, and so we would get into it sometimes in the group and, but eventually he's like, yeah, we need this thing. And as the trend kind of weaned down a little bit, the CrossFit trend, uh, more and more people needed like a acquisition system. And so that led to a partnership of us teaching the gyms. Uh, and then Chris was like, Hey, can you teach, can you do this for two brain? And at the time I had some, uh, large agency clients, like I was doing some marketing for some big businesses, um, and I was like, yeah. And so I dropped those and started doing it with two brain. And then that led to a partnership with Chris. And then in. So you're rolling this side hustle at the same time you've got the gym, correct? Yeah. Which so someone from within goal? two brain. So there, this person owned a college. Um, like the main agency client I had was a college. Um, they were in two brain because they knew one of the mentors. Um, and this was a business like for-profit colleges, I mean, as you know, are like cash cows. Um, and you're selling really high ticket, right? You're selling anywhere between $10,000, $25,000 program. This was a vocational school. So that was like their range. Um, and so they were like, can you do this thing you're doing with the gyms for the college? And like, that's all grant based. So like, it's not coming out of somebody's pocket. It's coming out of like the government funded. I was like, yeah, this is like the easiest high ticket sale ever. And so I'd started doing marketing for that person and their business started doing really well. I got a second college client and that was starting to take off. Um, and that's when Chris was like, yo, 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 wait a minute. Like maybe we do some of this for two brain. And so I pivoted back to college, back into the, keep getting sucked back into the gym world. Um, Why go that so route? I mean, there's the problem. The nice thing about college is they, they, they're always, they're never going to be full. A gym will get full at some point. Even that, you know, and you have a guaranteed need every year with client people who graduate the program. And you're like you said, it's institutional money. So it's not like not a gym owner is having to part with thousands of dollars who could be emotional about it. Why didn't you stay in the I would I would have thought the college thing would have been a way better play. Maybe, you know, um, there's definitely a little bit less passion there. And I saw a like I didn't want to be an agency person forever. Got it. Right. Like running an agency is a tough business. If you're trying to run an agency that does stuff for gyms, forget about it. That's so difficult. Like no one's really like loud rumor. Mike RC, I think they did a pretty decent job. Gym launch is kind of an agency, but they, you know, they have that coaching component bolted to it. 
But really, aside from Loudrumor, who has a bunch of franchise clients, there really hasn't been anybody who's been able to scale um, an agency business to a decent size. Um, and so, you know, I saw kind of the end point for that business somewhere in the neighborhood of like five million a year. And I saw the headache for that business at like a seven to nine out of 10. Because an agency business, you just have a bunch of bosses. Like everyone at a time, your client's a boss. Algorithm change, your boss hates you. Um, there's just like a lot of elements out of their control. Uh, with TwoBrain, I saw how I could kind of take the path that I'm taking right now, uh, which led to you know a much higher quality business than just having an agency for colleges. Sure. Okay. So we were working with TwoBrain, and then um, twenty end of 2019, their website partner um, at the time, this company called Four Time Design, uh, the owner of that wanted to sell. Um, and so Chris pushed us, me and uh, one of my other partners to buy it. And we did. And so that was the start of Kilo. And I don't, I don't know how deep we want to go into that, but that, yeah, that's I mean, how, so that was, time the design, was that after the three, two, one breakup, three, two, one, go breakup. Cause they, so was, yeah, way after. Website. So by the time I joined T-Brain as a client, um, Chris wasn't involved with three, like I didn't know of Chris Cooper in the three, two, one go days. I think he was okay. already kind of doing his own thing. Got it. Um, all right. So then you come in, you take over four times design and then you, did you rebrand that as key? Is that what, did you rebrand that as Kilo then? No. So, uh, it was Jim lead machine initially oh, yeah, was GLM. the name okay, of the yeah. company. And so from there we bought, um, a bunch of the older CrossFit website companies. So, uh, powered by awesome, um, and a couple others of the the OG guys. And we bundled all those clients up together and made a nice little cash flow stream. And then um, we added in a marketing automation product, which, you know, at the time, two brain gyms were paying 300 bucks for uplaunch and 300 bucks for a website. We just smashed the two together and charged 300 bucks. And people liked it. It ended up growing. We used the cash flow from that to build gym management. And so we rebranded to Kilo maybe a year ago. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great ever since guys will be real back with Craig and the mad lab crew in a second, but I just wanted to let you know, I have officially publicly released a service that we were offering a la carte for a while, my social media audit and strategy. So essentially it is a series of five weeks of you working with me. We get on a series of three different calls. And during that time, my goal is to evaluate and audit your current social media and digital storytelling and help you improve it to drive more traffic into your gym. Many of you guys do not need to run with one to $3,000 a month of paid social media advertising. You just need to do organic, which means unpaid, way better than you're currently doing. If you allow me to get my eyeballs on it to fix the problems that you currently have to help you write the sales copy that's going to sell and use the right creative and create the right templates, I'm going to be able to drastically increase the amount of organic traffic that you're getting coming into the gym. I'd love to sit down and look at what you've got going on and make it better. Shoot me a DM on Instagram at WTF Gym Talk. Let me know that you want some more information on the social media audit and strategy service, and I'll get it over to you. Back to the podcast. So Kilo, when I was first introduced to it, I was doing, I was on a call with a client. He's doing a screen share of something. And we, I forget we were talking about some document. He had some, I was like, what is that? And then would you guys, it was originally, was it white labeled go high level? 
that's a gym lead machine product. So that yeah. was like the up launch replacement. So got we it. just got lucky at the time we built out a, a, a spec for um, uh, go high level that worked well with like what a CrossFit gym was doing. Got it. Okay. And, that's okay. And then and that's Kilo is bespoke built from scratch gym management software. Got it. Talk to me about that. So the software game doesn't seem fun. I literally just rewatched um, super pumped the Uber story. Yeah. S- the way he plays that, I forget the actor's name, but he just plays Travis Kalnick. And they, I mean, just never met the guy, but he he makes it just like such a cocksucker. Like you just don't want to like the guy at all. And I think he played that up really well. Anyway, the software game doesn't seem easy. I, you know, I'm close with the guys over at Push Press. It's tough. Software is one of those products. It'll never, like I tell people, every member management software sucks. It's just like finding a person in your life, like your partner. You got to, everyone, you know, everyone's going to piss you off. You just got to find the person who's reliable when you need them to be. Because every member management software is, it's not going to be perfect for every user. And every user is going to have a, a, you know, a feature request and, a, you know, put this on your product timeline and blah, 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 blah. What was that like for you? Because going from gym, direct person, you know, direct face-to-face, agency and then going software how did that play for you is that is that hard yeah yeah every every step was awful the the whole thing's hard um but to your point software is a very difficult business um and then that venture back game is insane right like you're referencing super pumped and all that like that's a very different game than what we're playing right our our calculus was hey we got um at the time it, when we started, we probably had like seven, 800 gems on the platform. Uh, we said our product isn't that defensible. Like we have a moat because two brain, um, we, we're obviously building the two brain spec. So two brains going to recommend us and our relationship with two brains strong. We're looking at the marketplace and it's like, to your point, everybody hates their gym management software. And so we're like, they might as well hate ours. Um, and, and so <laughs> like, that was the calculus, right? Because uh, we probably could have kept running Gym Lead Machine as like a pretty comfortable lifestyle business and milked it for cash flow for a pretty long time. Um, but yeah, the reality is, um, you know, we would have ended up like the the thing that started getting the wheels turning was there were some people kicking the tires, um, like wanting to buy us basically. And so we're like, okay, so a gym management platform sees value in this thing as like a bolt-on. Why is that? And kind of, you know, reverse engineering, like, yeah, we probably can, can we offer what they are with the relationship that we have with the customer? And our thought was for a pretty small subset of people, the answer is yes. Right. So you look at like everybody and their mother's doing gym management software now, like gym launch, for example, they're dropping one, um, Q1 of next year. And so I was talking to Kale about it. And like the way they think about it is like, I'm building a product for 2000 gyms. It has to be the best product for 2000 gyms because when you're around that number, that's when you created like an entity of like true value. Right. And so our calculus was, can we get somewhere between a thousand to 2000 gyms? Can we build something that is unique enough um, and differentiate enough between amongst all the other shit out there that like a thousand, 2000 gyms would find it the most valuable. And, um, we said, yeah, probably, probably take us three to five years to, to figure out how to do that. And we'll probably burn a couple million dollars, but, um, we felt pretty confident that, that we could make something just based off of how much people were verbally hating all the other stuff that, um, could just do like a, a, a marginally better job than, uh, some of the other things for a certain type of gym. 
it, real quick, I want to hit on that real quick. So <clears throat> first off, I, I love people hit me with an idea about, you know, getting into the member management game. And I, I always say it's a horrible idea. What would you say you've, what have you spent to date to build out member management software? Mm, 1.75 mil. And how much, and, and is, it's not out, it's not, it's not public. I mean, you guys have like, um, an MVP, but like, you know, it's not public. No, we're out. Oh, you, you can are buy it today. Oh, you can buy it today. You're fully out. Okay. This is, this is like as of uh, a month ago. So, okay. But Got it. So yeah, we're still, we were, still we were closed in. beta before. And in like the evolution, it's, you know, we've been listening to your evolution going to the, it's kale, right? The CEO of the gym launch. The new yep. one? Yeah. Yep. It, you don't want to stay in the marketing game for all the reasons you mentioned earlier. Your service is determined by the algo, right? Instagram does something crazy. Facebook does something crazy. Your hands are tied. You can't get the result, but, and it's not a utility because at a certain point, marketing is really needed. And then certain times it's not. And sometimes people become autonomous in that. But one thing they'll never become autonomous with is the utility of glorified billing and scheduling software. No gym's going to buy that. You know, it's like, it's why I've had a QuickBooks account since 2007, right? It's a utility. Um, and that, and I agree. I think like if you're going to spend money in software, it needs to be something that the gym cannot function without. But I, my thing is, A, it's, it is. It's just glorified billing and scheduling software. I think the best ones out there focus on making it a reporting software more than anything else because I can get acuity for scheduling and billing, right? Like, how do you think of that? Like, how is Kilo going to stand out marginally against the push presses of the world, the mind bodies of the world? What's the thing that you guys, you know, and you're in the world of two brains, so you hear this from hundreds and hundreds of gyms, but what's kind of your thing? Well, being in the world of two brains is a huge advantage, right? Because we know the problems of the average gym owner a lot more intimately than most, right? Like I, in terms of customer count, we're probably the largest. I don't, I don't know what gym launches exact customer count is, but you know, uh, we're, we're very large and we're very segmented. And so we have a pretty decent data set and we have like a conversation with literally every person every month. So there's a lot of information being gathered there. Um, and so, sorry, standing desk beeping. So there's a lot of information being gathered there. Um, and so we can synthesize that and kind of prioritize what gym owners actually want. And so the lens we think about it is like, a lot of people like to say like, our gym management software makes gyms more profitable. But like, how the fuck do you know? You don't have their QuickBooks. You don't know what their expenses are. Like you have no clue. So that's bullshit. It's not quantifiable. It's like our gym management software saves gym owners money. Okay, maybe, but that's a race to the bottom. Like if you want to make $50 a month software, like, yeah, I think there are people who are attacking that market and attacking it pretty well, right? But then you got to go up against like a company like Vigaro, who's worth, you know, $4 billion or something like that. Like, you know, so low cost game is bad. And so that leaves like the high end of the market. And so what do, what do gym owners at the high end of the market care about? And what can we actually quantify? And the answer to that is like growth, right? Like software can enable you to grow your gym. And we know that through the gym lead machine product. Like people, we we can see website, we can see website analytics before, we can see website analytics afterwards. And then same thing, marketing the marketing leads to leads. And then um, on the gym side, there's retention, right? So any meaningful increase 
we can see in retention is going to lead to like an increase in revenue. And so you can quantify the amount of growth the software allows a gym owner to get. And so that is the lens through which we are developing everything. It's like, can we create features that quantifiably improve the top line of the gym? And we feel like we can track that, right? And so that's that's the angle. I like it. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's so funny. It's crazy to me. I, I was with MindBody since 2009 when I opened up or when I started uh, my little side thing. I still had the corporate gig at that time. And the amount of features MindBody had, it was kind of like using using Infusionsoft as a CRM. It was just too much, right? And uh, Confusionsoft, you like, we used to joke around and call it. But it, you know, it just blew my mind that <clears throat> up until recently, MindBody's never even fucked with a CRM. I mean, there wasn't even wasn't even an option to do. You know, I had to have a third party CRM forever, and now you're seeing everyone bake it in. And then some of the companies are baking it in with white labeled go high level, you guys built your own, you built your own version though, correct? No, like the gym lead machine product is still high level. And, that, and that's not uh, integrated. But, but the gym the management piece is a completely bespoke thing. Okay. But, but they speak together. Uh, yes. Correct. Okay. That's, limited, that's limited right now, but yeah, the, the goal is to make it feel pretty seamless. Like everyone's working towards that. Like everyone in the market's working towards that one login, one app, everything's talking, but sure. it's hard and expensive and, uh, you know, uh, to varying. And, and I don't think anybody's done a good job at it yet. Overseas developers or, or domestic? Um, primarily US-based. I, I talked to Kaleep about this when they rolled out their new NC Fit app um, around COVID time. They went overseas for a while and he's like cheaper, but just dog shit. Just like the, I would have, he's like, I would have paid two X or whatever to, and I, and he, they did on the second version to do it all it, it, domestically. Yeah. Luckily I had the foresight to, you know, being in a business coaching company, you luckily learn a couple of things about business. And so luckily I had the foresight to see like this product lived, lives and dies on the person heading it. Right. Cause I'm not a technical person. Um, so luckily we got an incredible CTO who had exited the Google and like saw the opportunity and wanted to build gym management software and was oppressed by the sales velocity. Right. So if you're a non-technical gym owner with software dreams, like the best thing you can do is build something and sell a lot of it and get proof. Right. So, you know, my pitch to this guy was like, look, we're doing WordPress websites and white labeled software. And this is the momentum we've had. And like, I want to do this bespoke thing and here's reason one, two, three, why it's going to be great and why people are going to buy it. And um, like, do you want it? And that's like a much more compelling pitch than like, I have an idea, let's bring it to market. And it's a lot more defensible model than if you just are building gym management software from scratch and you're just incinerating money, right? If I didn't have the core business behind it, kind of fueling the growth, like we, we reinvest, 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 um, not just be incinerating cash, incinerating cash, incinerating cash, right? Like, I can, I can build on a long-term time horizon. I can think three to five years out because I have the cash flow from the legacy business to funnel into building cool stuff in the software. Um, but if I was 2 million in the hole and had, you know, a fee, like the stuff we need to build, it's like a three, four, five page list. Um, and I still had to build all that. I didn't have any, any cash coming in. Um, feel, you know, I'd feel a lot more rushed to deliver a shit product out into the market where, uh, having like a comfortable legacy business allows me to work at a slower time horizon. And you're seeing this in coaching business. Jim Launch is doing this. Uh, John Goodman. So he's he's like probably the most famous guy in the online training space. 
he has a software company that he's, you know, slowly lighting money on fire every single month, building it up, giving away for free, getting a member base. Um, and so it's a more common model where you got these people who have a very solid lifestyle business or a legacy business. And then they're using that to bootstrap software because you can just, you, you'll crush anyone who's bootstrapping by their self. Uh, and you don't have all the bullshit that goes along with having like a venture capital, uh, a venture capital team telling you, you got to grow, 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 or we'll stop giving you money. Yeah. Are, is So how does it look like with your structure with TubeBrain? Are you just like a preferred vendor? Does Coop have some ownership in Kilo? How does that work? So Coop's getting paid for Kilo. He doesn't have any actual ownership. We like to call the relationship we're like kissing cousins. Okay. Um, so like I'm a contractor within TubeBrain's business and then Coop is a partner within our business, but not an owner. Got it. And so we don't have, we have exclusivity for website marketing automation, but we have like TubeBrain has partnerships with all, um, all the gym management software platforms. So state of the industry, which probably will be out by the time we release this podcast, like Wattify, Push Press, TeamUp, they're all involved in it. And so um, you come to our TubeBrain Summit, uh, same thing. There's going to be five or six gym management software companies there. Chris maintains a good relationship with all of them. Um, and so yeah, um, it's obviously slightly biased towards Kilo uh, and, and that's the way I would love it. Um, but, you know, the the gym management software products are important, right? Like they have they have a lot of good data. They have a lot of good insight. And a lot of them have been around for a pretty decent time. So, um, you know, they're, they're relationships you need to have, right? And in your business, you're doing the same thing. You know, you're, yeah, I think you're pretty solid relationship with most of the main guys. Yeah, and it is. It's, it's a very small network. In, in this, in the especially when you get into, in, to separate the health club and the the boutique micro gym, very very small ecosystem of vendors, and you run into the same guys. And then it's crazy when I go to like the Ursa Health Club world that I'm in as well. That's it, it's bigger, significantly bigger, but st still similar players, right? Very same faces, similar players. Um, so yeah, Cross sorry on that. Yeah, CrossFit's like very well served in the gym management space too. Like I know a lot of CrossFits love to complain about how awful all the gym management software is, but if you look in some of these other niches that, you know, we, we have partnerships with other, um, you know, business coaches in different niches. And if you look at some of these other niches, it's, it, it's still like 80, 90% mind body where, um, CrossFit is very well allocated. And there are a lot of softwares that build bespoke solutions that just for CrossFit gyms, because it is a unique operating model. So, yeah. um, you know tip of the hat to the CrossFit software team and then to the CrossFit gym owner, like it's pretty good. Like, it, you know, it could be a lot worse. It could be martial arts. Yeah, yeah, correct. True. And so with the industry data, one thing I've always been curious, at what, what do you guys reserve as a margin for operator error in that? I mean, I, and you know this as well as anybody, you get into someone's, I don't care whether I get into their Wattify Zen plan or whatever it is, their mind body, their Mariana tech, things that are just not classified or right, or like in any way that like, it's going to, when they pull a report, it's going to produce a number of result in which that's not actually the real data, but because you, you don't have this in this right revenue bucket, right? With my body, it's my biggest one. They'll have services in the wrong category. So they, we pull reports for categories like, yeah, but it's missing those 16 membership options you have for group, like little things like that. How do you guys account for the gym owners, um, you know, human error when setting up their memberships and shit and all the back office. So you bring up like a great point there, right? Which is 
there's gym owner error and there's different definitions, right? Yeah. Turn, leg, all these things are yeah, incredibly yeah. Students, difficult member, to calculate. Active member, yeah, yeah. Like, do you do a PT? Like, so we were we were Zen Planner when we operated. That's what we used, and we had a full day where me and all the GMs. It was called it was called Data Day, and we would literally have to like go and manually calculate all this shit to get it right. And right, so all the gym management people like their spiel now is like our reporting's the best. We're going to give you the best reports. And maybe the actual like function of the report works well, but it doesn't matter, right? Like it's not going to be an apples to apples comparison because the way we classify a member versus push press versus Wattify versus team up is going to be completely different. The way we calculate churn, like there's just so many variables and use cases. And then like how gym owners set up their membership. Some of them, some of y'all it's insane. It's absolutely insane how you do it. I don't, you know? Um, and so it makes it very difficult to do apples to apples comparison. And so for any data in the report, we don't mesh it amongst providers. So we're not taking push presses data and meshing it with team ups data where team up will have like a larger con contingency of um, like, you know, globo gyms than a push press would, for example. So we quote the actual provider itself, right? So you'll look at and say like the average gym has 159 members according to push press or like the average gym is churning 4.82% of members according to Wattify, okay? And so there's actually, you know, like there's probably reporting error on top of that, right? So like there are different levels of good from these providers. Some are better the, uh, than others and you get a very real, uh, like, you know, some people you can tell they have a better understanding of their own numbers than some of these other providers. And I got to right? imagine you make these, the other providers, the other member management softwares provide these operational definitions. Like I believe, like, I believe there's members and memberships. Those are two different things. Members, anyone who can walk in the building and use your, your limited resources of spots in class or whatever the fuck it is. Memberships, those are living, breathing transactions that die eventually with a cancellation. Like a PIF is not a membership in my head because I think of EFT as a membership. So like, do you guys make, do you like, do you gather those individual unique uh, operational definitions from everybody? They provide their own for the the charts that they're giving. Like this yeah. is, they'll be like, you know, here, sorry. If you want, do I, do I have screen share here? Oh, I can make that. I can make that happen. Let's do that. Participants. Boom. Boom. Good to go. All right. So here, like, are gyms gaining or losing clients? Wattify, so that's the source of the data, user growth by region in relation to July 2022 membership totals. And then down here, this is not month over month growth. All figures are calculated with July 2022 as the baseline. Okay, so in April, U.S. gyms were one and a half, 1.45% uh, higher than their July 2022 baseline number. Right. So that's like, this is all Wattify data. Yep. They provided what it is we're actually looking at. And then, um, yeah, for, you know, here's like customer segment, we'll use Wattify for that. Um, this stuff we do mix. So like age, gender, that type of stuff that that's pretty like, uh, I guess it's pretty, know, yeah, gender pretty isn't old. universally agreed upon anymore, but, um, you know, we feel like <laughs> it's fine enough to like mesh those. Uh, but yeah, for a lot of this stuff, they will provide definitions and then they'll usually be a couple clarifying questions that we need to go back and say like, 
what does this actually mean? And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll hammer it down there. But to your point, like member memberships, members, what is a client? What is a, what is a cancellation? Like these are things that like the Kilo product team will spend a week just trying to figure out and discussing and make baseline definitions. And, and like they're, they're hard to do. And so there will be some variance and skew in those numbers just because like at the gym management level, there's no agreement at the gym owner level, there's no agreement. And then within each business coach, there's all the metrics that they, you know, like the metrics you tell your clients to follow are probably slightly different than the two brain ones. They all try and paint the same picture, basically. Like we're all trying to get to the same place, which is more profit. Um, but the way you track and the way two brain tracks versus the way another business coach tracks is, is probably very different. Yeah. So it's always interesting. I've, and I was, I was looking at it. So my bookshelf was over here and I remember buying Coop's first book. I think it was right before he had taken just all the blog posts and published them all together. And um, as time's gone, as time went on in, in, as I grew WTF, there became this thing where the only, the only team I could ever compare notes to was you guys like, okay, Coop says this, I either agree or disagree or whatever it may be. And and I remember one time I, I really, I love the ESPN show, like, uh, you know, where the analysts talk shit to each other. Like I love debate. I debate was my thing in high school. I would debate the most fucked up positions. I just like a good, solid, well-respected argument. And I remember I got Coop and Craig Patterson, and I got a bunch of people on like a thread trying to organize like a group debate on different topics, whether it be PT first or this or whatever the fuck it may be. And, and he he respectfully bowed out. And honestly, you know, that's not Coop's flavor. I don't, I just, that's not, that's not his style of things. It's Craig Patterson and some of the other guys that was way more their, their flavor. Um, but I feel Coop's like not a Fox time, News pundit, definitely this. not. No, no, it's not. And I try to correct this, and then I realize I self create it. You know, I wanted, I don't want to, when it was having you on it, clearing the ear, the air, because besides uh, Sean Ryder, who's a, you know, a dude that I have immense amount of love and respect for, um, I always thought people thought that I like, I shit on Tubring as an organization. I feel like I've heard third party. Does that come across in that world as well? Is that, is that kind of the vibe? Because when, even when Mark Fisher, when we were having this, we were getting dinner, he's like, hey, <laughs> Mateo and John, they, they, they said they wanted to have truce and be friends. And I was just like, fuck. That really is like, that's the narrative. Yeah, yeah, definitely comes across that way. And there are others as well, but that's understandable, right? The two brain, the two brain stance has always been like, let's build the guide. Let's put out the data. Let's put out the numbers that we wish we had as gym owners. And so we publish that out, right? And so, you know, making content's hard. And I'm building my personal brand the same way you are, the same way everybody else is who's trying to make a living in this industry. And this is like a juicy thing. And and it's meant to be juicy. It's meant to be commented on. It's meant to have disagreement or it's meant to spark conversation. Um, And we think that's a good thing, right? Um, And we want to be that beacon, but we welcome any other provider to put out their own set of data or their own state of the industry or their own data set. And, and, you know, that becomes like a great place for conversation, but like, yeah, Coop's more of a professor type, you know, he likes to sit and read and think about the numbers and, and type. And like, he's never going to be on the main stage debating somebody, right. He, sure, sure. he wants to be in the basement with like the lights off, uh, just type in at the keyboard and, and that is his strength. And that's why, you know, like two brains got over, a thousand posts on the blog. Like the, yeah. the man does a thousand words a day for the last 10 years. And as a, you know, as his marketing guy, 
that is a, that's a huge advantage for us, right? It's just being able to have that constant stream of ideas and content and whatever. And if you're that prolific, you're going to say shit that pisses people off, right? Yeah, no, noted. noted. And I guess I've never been the person, because maybe this is my, like, I like debate or having a disagreement or believing, no, you're wrong. I never viewed that as like, that's a negative comment. That'd be the same thing as like, John, do you want um, a pepperoni pizza or do you want Hawaiian? And if you, whichever one you ordered, I don't view that as wrong. It's like, oh, that's just the kind of pizza he likes. And, you know, I'll fuck around and bust uh, Ackerman's balls over at uh, affiliate. You know, he'll make some video that I'm just like, oh, you're, this is so fucking wrong. And I'll, I'll jazz, razz him up online. And it's all just, you know, now in the internet world, if you make forward facing content and I run into it, I'm like, oh, I either agree with it or I disagree with it. Here are some thoughts. And I guess that was my, always my thing. I, I to, I've told, I've said this a thousand times before with Coop's mission. And I remember hearing the first, I don't know when I, when he came up with like that clear statement, we want to create a, uh, we want to help a million entrepreneurs. You have to run with a very specific model to help. Uh, like you got to come up with like a, a really tight framework to help a million entrepreneurs, especially it seems you guys mainly stick to service-based business, brick and mortar service-based business for the most part. And you could probably run a similar framework. Um, and then, yeah, whenever I'd have disagreements on stuff or whatever, whether I would make content on it publicly or it'd be in a, in a whatever forum, it's never, it's like everything works, right? Like every diet works for somebody. Every fitness routine works for somebody. There, every business strategy, right? There's, in a, there's not many problems in business. There are many solutions, though, right? The 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 few problems are few. The solution the solutions are bountiful and forever evolving, and they they differ by the smallest minutia. And uh, yeah, no, I just like I want I made myself a nose. And when John comes out, I want to make sure just to, like clear the air because again, I've got clients that are two brain clients, like people over there that I, that I love. That uh, yeah, there's never been any bad blood on my end. I just maybe it's just because I'm just like this. I just this is how I grew up talking shit with friends and this is just kind of how I've always done it. But it, like of recently in the last couple of years, been like, no, you're really, really, really not liked by a few people over there. It's like, I gotta go back. I gotta go back to the notes. What did I say? It's, I mean, you're set up for success in the internet age. Like being confrontational is a good thing. And so if you don't see it as confrontational and you can just do that naturally, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to do well, you're going to do well on social media. Um, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's any kind of like animosity. Like Chris doesn't have, uh, you know, Chris is, Chris like genuinely wants to help everybody. You know, I, and I, I think there's will. a lot of stuff that to your point, different strokes for different folks, right? Like someone who's drawn to Chris Cooper is going to be less drawn to someone like you. Someone who's drawn to you is not going to want to work with Chris Cooper. Sure. Right. Same thing with like, gym launch, right? Like Kale or Hermosi before him, like that's going to appeal to a certain type of gym owner. That's probably not the right fit for what we're doing. And that's fine. And what you said, I think is interesting, right? Cause there, there are certain parts of Chris's model that not, not just you, there are plenty of other people who like, you know, take shots at T-Brain or disagree with certain elements of it. And that's fine. Like if I was trying to build a coaching business, I would do the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, you got to remember when you're when you're working with a thousand gyms, you got to you got to do things a little differently than, you know, I'm not saying I don't know how many gyms you work with, but if you're a smaller business coach, you're working with 50 gyms, 100 gyms, whatever. Uh, you got to do things differently, right? Because if we say go out and do it, it's got to work in, you know, every single market. It's got to work yeah. for big gyms, small gyms, small group training gyms, personal training gyms. Like it's just got to be so universally like proven to work that like, you know, 
it, it, we can't like take some of those risks because of the damage it could have to people within the system. So like the disadvantage to that is like, we're slower. Our model takes a little while to move. It's like, you know, the same thing with any smaller versus larger company. It's just like harder to steer the ship now. Um, or some of the smaller, you know, more agile guys will disagree with things and like, they don't need to prove like if you can find 50 clients, it's going to work for, right? Like, yeah. If, and- if I, if you and I were like, Stu, let's sit down, let's build the model that's going to work in like New York city. And then that was like, we're like, this is the model. And we had like 50 gyms in large urban areas. Like it would work for them. Right. Uh, and it probably look incredibly different than what, uh, like two brains model looks like. Right. Because like, it's just like, it's not like, that's just not the majority of people aren't paying 70. Like my, my podcast today was with, uh, Dan Trink, his rent is $70,000 a month. Right. Like that, that would put him like on the two brain leaderboard for revenue, but that's just his rent. Um, and so it's just a completely different game. And so you have to find something that works for a guy like Dan Trink and then some guy in some 600 person rural town who's like operating out of his garage and it becomes like more difficult that way. Um, which leads to just, you know, I would assume things that are going to naturally disagree with people who are running edgier models that are made for specific use cases. Sure. And, and my, and it's not, it's not even a criticism. It's just the nature. Again, if you, your goal is to help a million entrepreneurs, you do have to come up with more of a template based in which someone gets in the two brain and probably by the time they graduate, they're like, fuck, my gym was dog shit. It's now way better. But it's not, it's never meant to be a tailor. It's like group fitness. Group fitness is not meant to provide optimal fitness for you and your physiology and what time you went to bed last night and all that. You want that, hire an independent design coach or an individual design coach or a personal trainer. When you guys are running people through your system, and for most people, it's kind of like I went and worked at Global Gym for a couple of years, which is unrelated to the micro gym industry. But like I went through a system for two years and I learned shit. And I mean, without that system, I would not be where I am today. And that even though what I do now is much different and I had to solve for more unique problems going forward. Um, but that was also just something that I, admi- I admired the I admired that that caught like wanting to take on that problem because small business owners, as you know, they're not. They're tough clients at times, just like, you know, depending on where they are. Like if you guys, I don't know if you guys do a cap, like you have to be making X amount of money to work with you because certain certain owners have a certain level of perspective at revenue things. Like you see gyms that are making, you know, less than $20,000 that those are, they've got a little bit different perspective and what things are expensive and what are not than someone who's making 21 to 39,999, right? Like per month kind of scenario. Um, We take the broken and the bruised, but man, I would, I, if, if I was making a lifestyle business, I wouldn't, you know, like, you, yeah, to your point, dealing with a, someone who's got that baseline and you, you just have the space and freedom to be coachable, think a little more long-term sure. like, versus someone where it's like, yeah, we got to make this shit work in six weeks or like, you know, <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting. And, I mean, and to be clear, I'm glad you said the nice thing about the mission because Coop has changed it. So, you know, okay. <laughs> So what is it now? It's impacting the lives of a million members now, right? Got um, it. Okay. I think we got to about uh like around when Two Brain hit about like 900 clients, it was just like, you know, there was a big conversation in terms of like, do we grow this to 2,000, 5,000 gyms or, you know, and, and I think Chris likes the size of the business now. I don't think we plan to do too much it, like there's a thousand client cap right now. So once we have, you know, we're, we're just under a thousand, once we hit a thousand, um, we're not going to take new members into the mentorship program. It'll be a one in one out type thing. Um, and so 
that just allow, I think that will allow us to cherry pick clients a little better. Or like I said, now we'll, we'll take, um, we'll take anyone as long as you have a gym and, uh, you're not on the blacklist. Like we, we do have a blacklist of people who are, you know, stood up three sales calls in a row or like, you know, said negative things about other gym owners in public groups. Like, you know, there, there there's, we definitely have like a no, a no fly zone, but aside from that, for most people, we're going to work with them unless they're outside of our core competency. So like we get a lot of cheer gyms that come through the system. We have a partner for that martial arts. We have a partner for that. Like we, we, uh, personal trainers, that type of stuff we refer out to other people, but if you're a small coaching based gym, like, yeah, we're going to take you. Yeah. I like it. And you're it's, not an asshole. Yeah. And I saw, and, and here, you know, the thing with, at least in my thing, because I never wanted to build a business out of this, out of what I do here. This is all I want this. I want to be able to drop the mic and fucking fuck off to an island somewhere and never hear from any, never be responsible to an employee or a customer again. So that's, you know, this is always just meant to be a, uh, a high paying job that I can, um, I can bounce whenever I have zero ties to anything. I can mic drop. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because you and me have both gone from the world of brick and mortar to re technically remote. You could run Kilo from anywhere, right? You could do that from anywhere. When you go back, if you were talking to, you know, you, you probably find yourself in this situation often, talking to someone young who wants to get into the game, do you, and they want to go brick and mortar, do you still advise brick and mortar with the same enthusiasm as you did 10 years ago? Yeah, but I would buy versus start from scratch. So yeah. if I was if I was starting over today, I would take advantage of like an SBA program, try and buy a gym with some real estate. Buy a used car versus buy new. Exactly. Yep. Ra yep. Rather than trying to do something difficult, especially since like, so our state of the industry data, it's like 50% of gyms are amenable to selling. So it, you really, if you want to buy a gym, just look at the one you wanted to ask and there's a 50% shot, like that leads to a conversation. And like, you did an awesome job on this on our podcast, talking about how people can do that and leverage that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I'm still pretty strong on it. The bar is lower than say trying to become uh, rich being an online trainer. Like you, you have a higher probability of success with brick and mortar. Um, you know, it's just, unless you have some type of interesting story or really carved out niche online, uh, you can be pretty vanilla and pretty average and still do way okay. more competitors online. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I still feel pretty good about it. And the reality is if you can run a successful gym, uh, like when you pivot to whatever your next business is, it's going to be way easier. Like running Kilo is way easier. Like marketing for TubeBrain is a thousand times easier than doing it for a gym. And like, I'm sure with your endeavors, like when you moved on to real estate, you're like, fuck, this is, this is way, this is way better. Um, and, and like getting those business scars and, and, and developing those, uh, those career calluses, uh, there are few places, you know, maybe like a restaurant or a hotel would be the only place that like would cut you up the same way, uh, brick and mortar and like a tier one city would. Yeah. And so that's why I tend to love like, like my peer group, the brick and mortar people I still hang out with. Like, I, I just love people, um, who are just making it work in awful markets. And I, I got a soft spot for that. I, I, I do as well. I, uh, did I share with you? And so, so everyone listening, you, John glazed over it. But again, if you were looking to get into the industry, for anyone, you want to go find a current gym. And I don't care what their Instagram or their, their website makes you think. Go in and take the owner out for coffee and just talk shop. And if you have a certain amount of cash, you can get a hold of it through an SBA program or whatever. My guess is 
two, one, one out of three to two out of three would entertain an offer today to walk away from it. And, um, and I wanted, so have I, I don't think since the podcast, did I share with you the conversation I had with the VP of club acquisitions at Lifetime Fitness? No, but I, I love uh, studying Lifetime. So I'm interested to hear what you got to say. So I start getting a bunch of emails and calls from local, from not from gym owners saying, Hey, I got an email, but from Lifetime about them wanting to buy my gym. What do you think that is? Is this real? Is this spam? They forwarded over to me and I, and my guys on the, the Globo gym side of the world, I run it by and I don't want to say it here yet. I've got a podcast talking about this, but I want to drop his name. Yeah. I'll tell you offline, but um, he's real. He's legit. And essentially lifetime, which if anyone knows is probably one of the last, they're one of the true legacy brands in the health club industry that has done well consistently, not only with the commercial real estate, but their product in general is phenomenal. They're not dummies over there. They're, they're smart operators. Very. So they lost so much HR during COVID because all their trainers and their alpha program, which for no one's, if you're not familiar, alphas, they're like, they're really refined, sophisticated version of CrossFit. I mean, it's barbells. It's essentially CrossFit is what it is. They lost so many of those instructors to those guys, those instructors realizing they can go make, uh, you know, four to $6,000 a month as a, being an online coach or whatever it may be. And they can never crawl carry it, but you get them back. So they created a division that literally goes into markets where they already have a club presence. And that club presence is hurting the fine staff. Cause I'm sure a lot of your clients, you know, the people you work with in two brain, finding, finding people to work in a gym and managerial positions and things like that is tough right now. It really is. And anyway, they go in, they cold call, they go to the owner, they offer them a, a, a small sum of cash, right? We're talking five figures, a, like a two or three year contract to come work in a managerial position at with alpha or at the club, the director of training or whatever it is, then they give them a rip on every member that comes over. And so we're, we, and that's how they've been, that's how they've been acquiring HR. So like, I, you know, not talk, a bad idea, dude. I, I mean, and in talking with him, I'm like, and so you guys give a rip on the members. He's like, yeah, we, those will do something. You know, I think, you know, if they join within the year that that person joining, if they shut the gym down and I'm, they're like, we don't give a shit about them. We don't have a client acquisition problem. We have a talent recruitment problem. And most failed gym owners will make great employees. And in fact, they should have, if they had the opportunity, they should have just stayed an employee instead of a gym owner. And lifetime, lifetime managerial uh, does decent. You're going to do well. You're going to get a good health benefits package. You get to stay in the industry. A lot of those clients then, when you shut down their gym, they come on over and work with you and your alpha program. And he didn't fully admit it, but I'm pretty sure they get out Lifetime's legal team to help you get out of your lease. I'm sure they would take that liability for you. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Aqua hiring is like totally like back when there, there was a tech shortage, like during uh, 21, 22 is a boom. Like that was just a common strategy. You just buy someone's startup and yep. shut the startup down. And like, now you just work for me, let's do it. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you can get like, all right, I'm looking for the, the data here. Let me. Let me pull it up because I'd be interested to get your take on this. All right. So, what is your behind there says when life gives you lemons, punch it in the dick until it doesn't. Yeah. My wife I, made this for me during that, uh, that brought that hard time. I, dude, I, love, I love that. Got Teddy Roosevelt. In the back. <laughs> I love that. Love it. All right. So here we go. So net owner benefit. 
median net owner benefit. So if, if you don't know net owner benefit, the way we calculate it is this is the money you pay yourself plus distributions plus any ad back. So if you run your car through your gym, your cell phone, your health insurance, like it's this number. All right. So median gym owner reported just under four grand. So after taxes and you strip out like the median stuff, that's three, that's three grand. Of, like all the two brain cash. gyms too? Like the two brain gyms. Two obviously... brains, 4,800. So we're over here. Okay. Um, you know, so we're doing we're doing about twenty percent better than the median, which you know it's still something we think about all the time. And so this number is way too low. If you think of like what the median household income is, I think of that as like the benchmark, right? Your gym, if you're taking all the risk and headache and cleaning the toilets and working on Saturday and waking up at four thirty a.m., like for all of that, you should be afforded just like the median household income. Like you should be able to buy health insurance, right? Like. My, I don't know about you, Stu, but like for my family of four, my health insurance is 17, health and dental, 1700 a month, right? So if you're a gym or taking three grand, you want like decent health insurance, like you have enough to pay for your kids' berries after that. It's like it, you know, like, yeah. how are you gonna pay for your house? How are you gonna- You the health share, like, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, right? And so if someone comes along, they offer me 30 grand. Like if, if I'm in this situation, someone comes along, they offer me 20 grand. They're going to get me out of my gym. They're going to shut it down. If I move all my members over there, they're going to give me a percentage. I'm going to make 50, 60 grand. I'm going to have benefits. Shit. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that and, sounds and pretty nice. Can I ask you something? Cause I, I have the same questions and my, what I do is a little bit different, right? Nobody like, I don't take anybody anymore. It's like, Hey, I'm a bad, I'm a shit gym and make me good and put all the systems that I, I take on project-based stuff. I have a specific problem. I solve it. Then fire me. Cause that's what I want you to do. You guys are the leading source of, I believe, business education and intimate mentorship with gym owners. And still as a collective, nobody's taken it. People are taking home, what is that, 58,000 or whatever that number was like per year, uh, the 4,800 a month. So 50, or 57,000. Yeah, like just under 60, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's the why? why? What? And again, there's like, you know, it's 20% low, 60% middle, 20% high. What do we do to get that 60% in the middle higher? What do you believe is the number one bottleneck amongst all the gyms you guys are working with and all the people you survey? I think nature is healing. So what this survey shows is like the numbers are inflecting up, right? And so I've talked to Oscar, who Oscar Judd, who, he's on the HQ seminar staff and like during HQ's darkest times, he's been a huge advocate for the brand and the methodology. And we're just kind of like, hey, dude, we like Jim World, my show, we talked about it. It's literally, we we talk to gym owners who are making a lot of money. We ask them yeah. about how much money they make. And but by the way, I've I've grown to, I like, I, I listen to your show with Angelo and I listen to it now on the reg. I fucking love your show, by the way. Yeah, we're just trying to, we're just trying to be a little more transparent and, and like, we have competitors on. So Stu is a competitor to two brain kind of. And like, we've had companies who offer like high level and stuff. Like we just want the best information um, for gym owners. And we're, it's not done under a two brain brand or a kilo brand because we can be humans, you know, like we can say whatever we want and, and it's a little better. Um, but anyway, we're talking to Oscar and we're like, Hey, here's the deal. Like I want to get more CrossFits on this show, but I can't find any fucking CrossFits who are making decent money. Like, why is that? Um, you know, it's very, it's very difficult to, to find a seven figure gym who's doing over 200 grand in net owner benefit, which is kind of like the sweet spot we want. It's like the minimum for a, a spot on gym world. Um, 
And so his argument, which I thought was pretty compelling, was like the last crop of CrossFits or like the early crop of CrossFits. Like when I started, I started a little bit after you, you were like 2010, 29, 2009. That's what you said. Uh, um, yeah. 2009 when it might, or yeah, going into 2010 is when I opened my, my actual brick and mortar. Before that, it was side hustle remote. Right. So like we talked to a guy named Jared Beachco. He started his gym for $5,000. He rented a space after the financial crisis for $500 a month, 5,000 square feet in Indianapolis for $500 a month, used Craigslist equipment, got rocket and rolling. And so like, yeah, they're going to drag the numbers down. Like people like that. It, and, and I think those days are over, right? I think like oh, some people agree. will go through that and be successful, but they are the exception rather than the norm. Like you need to be better capitalized. Right. Like starting a business with like your credit card maxed out and it's like, okay, hope this works. You know, like, yeah, like, it, you know, a lot of people, myself included, started a CrossFit gym because didn't have the skill sets for a normal job, just wouldn't function properly in a normal job. And if you don't go out and like develop those skill sets, like, yeah, it's going to be a tough thing. And like, it's a tough industry to begin with. Uh, you got to show up and literally perform. Like if you're offering 10 classes a day, that's 10 performances and it's got to be consistent and good. And, and, and that's just hard. Right. And so if you got 15,000 gyms, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people like dragging that down. And the other thing um, that we talk about all the time is I think most CrossFit gyms criminally undercharge and they're in, and they're in this weird middle place, right. Where they have like a, slightly higher than boutique price point, but a more inefficient model because you have, you know, each member needs four pieces of equipment someday and you need a higher tier of coaching where you're teaching snatches and these technical movements versus like an F45 where it's like pick up ball, drop it. And that's like what you need to do for the workout. Um, so it's a lot, it's less space efficient. Uh, you need better coaches. And then if you look at like the attendance data, so we have that pulled from the gym management software is like the average class, the average CrossFit class only has like four to six people in it. And so you're delivering what in essence is small group coaching. So if you look at like the Rick Mayo's of the world, the Dan Trinks of the world, the Mark Fisher's of the world, the guys who, who make their nut in small group training, like they're charging between three and $700 a month for a four to six person session. What in essence is a group class with some scaling, a universally scalable group class, right? And so the average gym owner has that attendance, but they have the price point of like a 20, 30 person class boutique. So they're kind of stuck in this weird middle place where they're delivering small group training. That's the experience. It's a service, but the actual pricing is like large group boutique. And so um, if there was one thing I could fix in the CrossFit community to give affiliate owners like a, a better living, it would be, yeah, like we need to carve out our positioning a little better to reflect what's actually happening in the gym. 100%. And the other thing too that was villainized back in the day, and I'm sure you remember this, partnerships were looked at as the worst thing ever. And I truly believe if your partner literally is redundant to the skills and drills you bring to the business, I don't think it's valuable. But like these days, I'll have people, you know, pitch me the concepts and that's a lot of what I do. I'll do concept and poke holes in it and do, uh, you know, uh, concept validations and whatever. Like, no, you need to go out and you need to get a CMO. You need to get someone else to throw in. You have 120 grand to put in this. You need someone else to match your 120, but with a completely different skill set than you. Someone who's not fitness focused, that can't coach a class, that knows marketing and brand and sales or whatever it is. That 
you will you have a leg up on every mom and pop gym micro gym in your market now and that's been there because most of those guys are just single operators with every you know they've got with every hat on um, but that's that's a big thing i don't know if you guys have encountered i i recommend partnerships more often as long as we're not combining two redundant humans uh in this in the business yeah i i i think it's tougher and I think most people do a terrible job at selection, um, but it all, it, it, and it also depends on what your goals are, right? Like if you're someone who's going into it and like my dreams to make a hundred thousand net owner benefit, like if you're doing 40, 50 grand or you buy a gym that's doing 40, 50 grand in NOB and you have 150 members, like you're only a $30 price increase away from making a hundred grand. Like you're not, it's not a huge gap and people sure. just like can't seem to figure this out. Um, or if you buy at break even and do like a nominal price increase, like, you know, all that you take something that you can get for like key money. Like you're basically just, someone's like, get me out of my lease, you know, the, the lifetime acquisition model. Um, and you turn it into like a viable asset and you don't have to struggle through that first two year grind of trying to, to build a gym. Right. Because yeah. it's like the, the stuff I did to open the door with 200 members, like you can't do that anymore. Like it would cost, or you can, but it's going to cost you, you know, 150 grand where I did it with five grand and like a MailChimp account, you know? Yeah. I get it. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really glad guys, guys like you have picked up the microphone and you use your, the medium of podcasting and all that to tell the stories of what it was like back in the day. And, and again, we tell those relics of like, I used to, the same thing. I rolled up in a pickup truck with $600 of Craigslist equipment. And I parlayed that into probably one of the biggest gyms in Charlotte in under, uh, you know, 20 months. And that doesn't, that's not unfortunately going to be the thing now. There's too many, there's too much sophisticated um, players. There's a lot more money. And the, the other thing too is the, the problem is, I think to a lot of us come into this like client turn coach turn, I quit my full-time job and I want to own that in my opinion, that's not the healthiest of trajectories into business ownership. Right. Um, I, I think there's some pit stops along the way. Like I always tell everybody, go work at a global gym or go work at a, go work at an orange theory, the core four down in South Carolina that one of my last interviews in person, you know, hundred and whatever, $20,000 a month in a monthly recurring revenue down there. And it's two guys who spent six years working for like Jamie Weeks at Orange Theory, like the top of the top at Orange Theory. And you and learn shit that way. Like they didn't go to, they don't have an MBA in group fitness. They went and worked for someone for six, however many years to learn shit. Um, but yeah. And that's what I appreciate about your content is you are taking stuff from other areas and bringing it into the affiliate community. Um, and to be clear, to bring Kilo, all these other things, and we serve every type of gym. I'm just like biased towards the affiliate community because I was an affiliate owner. Um, and I just came from that world. Like I, I want CrossFit gym owners to succeed maybe slightly more than the other ones, you know? Um, but yeah, the reality is like, like I was, I was trying to think of, uh, for my newsletter last week, Stu, I was trying to think of a gym owner who's had five affiliates for you know five plus years and all five were profitable every every one i could think of who got to that size either shut down did something else or downsized uh like do any come to mind for you five unit owners um no i honestly two is like the number that comes in my head consistently but even in the franchise world two like, you can I, do 
Yeah, well, so I, and even the franchises, I'll be, and this is dead honest. I, I know a lot of multi-unit franchise operators, and the joke is like 70% are going to kill it. 30% are going to be my drag, but it's kind of like VCs, right? Like those 70% make up for the 30% drag. Right. And so like, I'm sure you can, I'm sure there are plenty of people who own like more than five Pizza Huts or more than five Domino's or more than five McDonald's, right? And so like different models have different outcomes, even if you are great at business or offer a great service. And so like, it's a tough, like this is a tough model. It's a yeah. very, very tough model um, because there are plenty, like there are plenty of smart people in the gym world. There are plenty of savvy operators and there are plenty of people who make a lot more money being not in this industry, but like, you know, you're just in here cause you love it. This is, this is all, you know, this is all, you know, that's it. And it, yeah, you're uh, I'd rather my knowledge be, you know, a mile deep than a mile wide. I've always been like, I don't, I'm not, I don't talk about shit that I don't know politics. I you won't even hear me open my mouth. <laughs> I don't know shit. Um, you know, construct. I, I, I like debating shit. weird stances and crazy shit. It seems like a miss for you, you know? Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Um, well, listen, dude, John, I appreciate it. I know I took up more time of yours than, uh, than originally, uh, scheduled, but where can because you've got your newsletter is great. Talk to everyone. Where can people find you and, and learn more about just the info you're putting out, the conversations you're having with people? Where can they find all that? Yeah, you can just go to johnisbuilding.com and that'll link out to all the different stuff. Or you said I am John Franklin goes to the same place. Uh, either of those are gonna get you on there. I got a I got an opt-in box there that'll get you on Gym World and you get all the podcast stuff and any news you want. If you're if you're enjoying the John Franklin content, that's where to get it. Fuck yeah.